your voice is needed, especially on the topic of money. If you're a financial creator, we need so many more voices to resonate with listeners, readers, and followers, because like I said earlier, the problem's not getting solved by one person. So yes, it's not too late. I actually kind of thought it was too late in 2007, believe it or not, when I jumped in. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Philip Taylor, CPA, writer, entrepreneur, and founder of FinCon. Philip Taylor, also known as PT, founded and launched FinCon in 2011. FinCon is an annual conference and trade show for content creators and brands in personal finance. The conference caters to attendees as well as exhibits and sponsorships. Those that attend are primarily personal finance creators and brands. In less than 10 years, this event grew from nothing to almost 3,000 attendees and $1.6 million in revenue. I'm honored to be attending in 2023 and sitting on a panel. Philip has been quoted and featured in multiple media outlets, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, Forbes, Fox Business, and many, many more. Listen in for some great takeaways about creating content, having an abundance mindset, and being a successful entrepreneur. Well, I am excited for today's guest. We have Philip Taylor, also better known as PT, who's a CPA writer, entrepreneur, and the founder of FinCon, which we're going to be talking a lot about today. Welcome to the show, Philip. It's good to be here, Lawrence. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so I want to jump right in, and we're going to spend a good amount of time talking about FinCon, but I love talking about the entrepreneurial journey, and it fascinates me how people get from where they are to where they are today. So could you give us maybe like a 10,000-foot view as far as how you got to getting to the point of FinCon? Sure. My father's a CPA, so I followed in his footsteps, really for lack of really interest in anything else. So I went down the accounting route, spent 10 years in that career, public accounting and corporate finance. And about the last three years of that career, I started a side hustle, a blog over at ptmoney.com. And that became sort of a creative outlet, but also became a new potential entrepreneurial endeavor, which I knew was something down the road I wanted to do. I was a terrible accountant. So I knew I'd be a better entrepreneur owning my own shop than do it, kind of call my own things. The blog led me to meet a lot of creators online, folks who were starting podcasts, folks who did blogs, and even budding YouTubers at the time. It was through those relationships that I learned that our industry was growing, it was booming, but we really didn't have a place for us all to meet under one roof. And so that's eventually what FinCon became, was this gathering of tribe of people who are online talking about financial topics, interviewing each other, doing blog posts, doing TikToks now. So everyone sort of under that umbrella comes to the event. So that's what I do now. I run my blog still. I help run FinCon 
And then I also have maintained my CPA and my dad is actually retiring this month and I'm going to be taking over that practice. That's another story. So getting back into the game, but yeah, so that's the 10,000. Live in Texas, three kids, enjoy the entrepreneurial life now, love it. Events in this community are great folks to serve. And so that's kind of how I spend my time. Your dad was a CPA. Was there anybody in your background upbringing that, because you said you kind of knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur from earlier than expected, but was there an impetus there? Was there somebody that you watched growing up that you're like, wow, I wish I could emulate or be like, or I see the value of owning my own business, so to speak? Well, my dad, in a sense, was an entrepreneur himself because he had his own firm. This whole career, he had his own firm. And he did start some other businesses along the way. But I saw him as sort of owning his career and his financial life from the start. So he took ownership of it and then he did it. He went out and got the clients. And I I just sort of watched him through the years with that journey. So my dad has always been my utmost inspiration. But when you're starting out first in accounting, you sort of have to kind of fall in line and be a member of the tribe for several years first. And that's the part I guess I was really bad at. But I wasn't ready to take the leap to owning my own firm at that time. So I knew it needed to be something else. And when I was doing auditing and taxes for these other types of businesses, I always sort of got excited about the business. I was like, oh, this is really cool. They're doing this and that. Looks like they're making some really good money. So this would be fun. I could see myself running something like this one day. It was also in college where I was in a band and I discovered I was a pretty good marketer myself. And so I was the drummer for the band, but I was also sort of the lead promoter, the guy who would go out and get the gigs and put together the posters and promote it and get people to the shows. And so I discovered about myself that I really liked that sort of promotional marketing side of me, and I was pretty good at it. So this was when the internet and websites and all that were just coming on. And so it sort of gave me a chance to practice those skills in real time. Little did I know I would become an internet entrepreneur down the road. So (laughs) those are some of the encounters that sort of happened, I guess, through the years that kind of led me to believe calling my own shots was the way to go. And I was really wasn't that great of an employee. So. Right. Yeah. I say I'm unemployable all the time. So (laughs) I don't know if that's really a word, but in my vocabulary it is. So I get it wholeheartedly. So let's shift to FinCon. Let's shift to promoting and organizing, I guess, gigs from the band side to now organizing gigs from the FinCon side where the tagline where money and media meet which I think is a great intersection, you kind of gave us a little bit of a taste of what it was about and kind of the impetus. But for those who aren't familiar with it, can you give us like a view of what FinCon is, what it's about, kind of why you wanted to bring all these components together and have money and media meet? We also describe it as a digital marketing event for the personal finance industry, right? So anyone who's out there creating content online whether that be a financial writer at a bank or a new blogger talking about frugality or a podcaster that shares ideas and then they're a financial planner as well. Folks who are out there sort of generating this conversation about money, we bring them together under one roof for four days of the year. That's the idea. We've been doing it for 12 years now. 2011 was our first one. And it was really just something that I wanted in my life. So I think some of the best ideas in business come when the founder or the entrepreneur discovers they need something that's not available. And so they go out and create it. And that's truly the case with FinCon. I didn't create it because I wanted to become a 
massive event owner or build this big business around events. Although that's where I kind of find myself now, which is kind of a cool <laughs> place. But from the start, it was just, I want to be together with these people because they are one, my wife's tired of hearing me talk about all this stuff with her. So she's looking for <laughs> me to go find it. And back in the day, it wasn't very common to have a neighbor or a friend in your life or even someone in your normal circles that was sort of doing online business and online marketing. We had to kind of be online with each other in forums, on social media. And there was a real strong pull for us to then be together in person. And so a conference back then had a real real need. I was a part of these forums and groups and just discovered that they were keen on the idea too. And I sort of was the first to raise my hand and say, hey, I'll throw the party if you guys will come. Right. Give us an idea. In year one, how many people did you have attend your quote unquote party? And then where were you in 2022, the most recent one? We had 250 folks come to that first one. And that blew me away. I thought maybe we'd have 50, 75 folks come to a little meetup of sorts. But it really grew the idea. There was d- demand for the idea. And then we grew it to 2019 was our sort of our higher water mark pre pandemic. We were around the 2800 or 3000 mark at that point. We struggled to maintain that same attendance post COVID and we're up around the 16, 1700 mark now. So that's kind of what we did last year in Orlando. Amazing. So these people, these creators, online community, et cetera, come together for four days just to give our listeners a sense of what's going on there. Is it more or less to create content, to learn all of the above? What are the key takeaways for most people who come to FinCon? Sure. There's certainly education. So you're going to have the chance to go to sessions, keynotes, masterminds, little group get-togethers, and just learn from each other. And that's at the core of FinCon is sharing ideas with each other, both in sessions and in the hallways, forming relationships so then you can take that knowledge sharing and sort of move it out past the conference. Secondly is business. Brands also attend the event. So we'll have financial service providers, think like banks, brokerages, credit cards. Those companies come to our show And then we have solution providers come there as well. People who help you do your podcast, people who help you host your website, those types of companies. So you can do business with those companies while you're there. If getting a sponsor for your podcast or if getting someone to put ads up on your site, those kind of things, they'll be at the show and they'll sort of help you monetize the content that you're creating. So there's a real business in Defincon. And those brands are really interested in talking with the creators, the influencers, because they want their product and services getting out there to the millions. And so we help facilitate that business relationship at FinCon. So there's the education piece, there's the business piece, and then there's just sort of this fun collection of people who are moving this idea of financial freedom and independence forward. So there's some talks on what's next in personal finance, what's next for consumers and their investing opportunities. So it's sort of a celebration, but also sort of looking forward, like how can we serve our audiences better and what's sort of coming down the pipe? How how should we relate to what's going on in this new crypto world or AI or these topics? Let's wrestle with those so that we know sort of how to shepherd our communities forward. So it's somewhat of an industry conference in that sense as well. Right. Listen, I think that that's great stuff. And I I love how everybody comes together for those four days, idea sharing. It sounds like a nice smattering of learning, business, 
and networking, getting to connect with others who are in a similar vein in the profession or adding value to the profession. So why do you think, because it seems to me, I mean, this is my perception as somebody who's going to be attending FinCon 2023 for the first time. My perception is that it's become quite a communal type of event. There's been this community that's built around it. Why do you think it's been able to build a reputation like that? And I think it's clear from the numbers, right? 250 to 1600 with a high watermark, even above that. It seems to me like it definitely is clamoring that communal aspect. Exactly. And the reason is because money is still a taboo in our society. And so it's hard for us to find people in our normal life still who are willing to have those conversations and and sort of can relate to that topic as well as sort of the internet marketing side of it as well. We're a rare breed of people. And so the chance to come together and talk with each other and share ideas is very valuable. We realize that. And so we put a lot big emphasis at the event on making sure people have a chance to find the people that they need to find and be with at the event and then have time to develop those relationships, whether they're, whether it's at a small meetup, at a session, at a dinner after, at the bar for happy hour, We just try to put those folks together as much as possible at the event. It's the idea that this topic is still something that for most people, there's sort of an odd bird that they like talking about this and they're comfortable in having these conversations. So they need to go to be where people are having those conversations. And I think there's also a sense that this problem is bigger than each individual one of us. Dave Ramsey hasn't figured it out. Susie Orman hasn't figured it out. She hasn't solved the entire problem personal finance issue out there for people. We all realize collectively, creators, I think, realize in this space that we need to work together to solve this problem. And collaboration is a big value we set for FinCon. And we set that because we believe that's what our community needs and believes. And the idea that we can't come together and sort of move things forward together, both working together and then sharing ideas with each other. So that sort of abundance mindset of let's work together, that also helps to create that sense of community that we have with our event. And you're right, it's a special group of people. We're lucky to get to throw the party for them. Yeah. When you initially set out in 2011 with this idea and launching and kind of throwing this, like you said, the party for everybody to get together, was it really with the intent of these three same areas that you're still delivering on today? Or has that changed over time as the event has warranted or changed over the last 10 plus years? We've certainly changed through the years, but we're not far from where we started. And I think that's because we've always had the posture of listening to the attendee, discovering what they want, and then trying to implement that at the event. Even from the outset, I let the FinCon audience help me determine what date we had the first event, what city we had it in, what sessions we wanted to have, what keynotes, what parties. I mean, I really open sourced the idea of the event to the community and sort of gave it to them in that sense of, okay, this is only going to work if you guys help me craft this. And it's going to be great because you're going to help me craft this. Don't get me wrong. I have my own ideas and I've inserted my own things into the event that I wanted. I studied events during that time as well. And I continue to study events and sort of stay on top of what's new and interesting in terms of getting people together. But for the most part, we as a company, this is one of our mantras we share with each other. The community has the answer. Right. And so I think as a business owner, we should all be saying that as well. Like the business owner should say the customer has the answer. Just go discover it from them. Go ask them. 
go listen to them. And so that's what we try to do through the years. And that's a posture that the community has embraced, that collaborative spirit, that abundance mindset, that sort of idea that this is bigger than all of us. The folks who come to our event sort of embrace that as well. And so it embodies sort of the event, which is really cool. I want to take a quick break from the show to talk to you about our latest best-selling book, Financial Planning Made Personal. It breaks down complex financial concepts into simple, easy-to-follow steps that anyone can understand. Everyone has a unique financial journey, and this book can help yours. Do you have your copy yet? If not, please go to financialplanningmadepersonal.com and order one today. And I have one more question for you. What did you do today that brought you joy? Let's shift to content creation for a moment, because that's a big driver for FinCon. And I think that content creation is something that is as pertinent to our profession and what we're trying to drive, as well as many other professions. I think it's still a underutilized medium, definitely more than it was 10 years ago. But I still think that there are a lot of people who are fearful, not willing to dive in. They think that they need this overly produced content versus perhaps just using an iPhone and shooting some valuable information for people. So I think that this next question that I wanted to ask you about is really pertinent across the board, not only to our profession, but all businesses. What advice do you have for content creators? Should they be creating more content in terms of what kind of content do you find is the most valuable? What's your thought process around content creation? Sure. A couple of things there. One, it's not too late to jump in. I think you should jump in because I think your voice is needed especially on the topic of money. If you're a financial creator, we need so many more voices who resonate with listeners, readers, and followers. Because like I said earlier, the problem's not getting solved by one person. So yes, it's not too late. I actually kind of thought it was too late in 2007, believe it or not, when I jumped in. (laughs) But the internet world, it's still very small. Like the people who are actually online doing this on a regular basis, it's still a small group of people. And I think once you get in and sort of discover it, you'll quickly realize that it's like, okay, this isn't everyone that's doing this. It's the brave few who have stepped into it and started doing it. So how do you get into it? How do you cross that barrier? Because you're right, content has gotten very well produced. There's a lot of young people doing it now who are really talented, especially in the video scene. So it's very intimidating to kind of think about jumping in there. I would just say start with something that is part of, don't feel like you have to create something new, right? You're doing something, you're learning something, or you're a part of something on a regular basis that is content already. And so I think one, it it kind of, it takes to discover what that is. So spend some time sort of discovering what that is. For me, I'm putting on a conference right now. And so that's actually really great content, sharing the behind the scenes of how that works, what we're doing. Mm With FinCon, we don't do enough of that, but that's sort of the easy content. Like, how are we selecting our speakers? How does that process work? There are certain topics that you're doing or you're an expert in already that a lot of people will get value in. I forget what the phenomenon or what it's called, but there's this idea that because you think something is simple, that <laughs> then your mind translates it to it's simple for everyone else, right? right? So podcasting and jumping on a podcast for me at this point is pretty easy. But most of the people in my life, when they see my gear, they see my setup here, they're amazed 
that I would do something like this. And for me, it's just sort of another day. So what are those things in your life that really take a really close look? What would other people say in your life is really something unique that you're doing? And then share about that as part of your content. I would just say in terms of what medium to choose, I really like audio. I really like starting with a podcast. And if you roll film like we're doing here, then you can repurpose that across some other mediums as well. Audio puts you in the ear, especially from a financial standpoint. It puts you safely in the ear of a consumer of that content who doesn't have to broadcast to the world that they've got a money problem or they want to start this business or people are strange. And I, I was this way myself. We're all strange in that money. It's a taboo topic. And so for a lot of us, it's very comfortable being sort of in a safe environment to absorb that information, to not let it out that this is something you want to do, or this is something you want to get better at to show a weakness like that. So podcasts are great for the intimacy between you, the financial person and someone who's wanting to go on that journey for themselves. At the same time, you don't have to be an expert. You can interview people like we're doing here. I think this is great content interviewing folks, as long as you're really interested in the topic. So start with the interview based podcast roll video on it, and then redistribute that content across all the other platforms. That's exactly what I would tell anyone in our space to do is exactly what we're doing today. This is the low-hanging fruit of (laughs) content creation, but it has big breadth to it. It can really be distributed to a long way. So this is right here, what we're doing, I think is the gold standard. I would also add, going back to what you said earlier, right, about how you open source that first FinCon event, right? If you think about that, if we listen to those that we're serving and what their trouble and pain points are, right there is great opportunity for content. Because if they have that pain point, there are many others that have that pain point. And if you could speak to that and help them solve or work towards a better solution, I think that's golden content right there. So if you listen to those you serve, that can create a a tremendous amount of content. You jot that down in your notes on your phone, and that could be your next piece. And you could have a running list that you may never, ever complete, right? Yep. (laughs) I've heard you talk about the nerd wallet model of monetizing content. Can you share with us how this works and why it might work for small creators even? Well, A couple of reasons. So to explain the nerd wallet model, if you go to nerd wallet, you'll see category marketplace type listings on their site, right? Financial services, products and services on their site. You can find the best CDs available today, the best bank accounts, checking accounts, credit cards, life insurance products. You can really look at them and compare. And so oftentimes a lot of people in our community, they're wary of promoting financial products they're not comfortable with. Yet, maybe they don't use them themselves or they don't know enough about them, which I think is a natural, healthy reflex, right? But if you really want to expand what oftentimes consumers are looking for, because what consumers want, and I think how we can stand out from AI going forward, is to actually offer legitimate comparisons and opinion on what's available out there for consumers to sort of gobble up from a financial standpoint. So, the nerd wallet model is simply giving yourself permission to compare several different types of financial solutions and products out there, not having to marry yourself to one particular advertiser. So the idea that you create a marketplace on the back end of your site, this is sort of a nuanced revenue model for FinConners, but I think it solves a couple issues. One, the need to 
feel like you, like I said, you, you sort of have to pick one lane from how you monetize your site, but also giving consumers what they actually want, which is comparison. So people need to know, like, what's the best checking account that I can go open up right now? Well, if you only gave them one, well, you're only answering that for one particular type of person, right? We know there's multiple different versions of checking accounts out there for a reason, because the entrepreneur behind that checking account said, we're going to create this type of checking account for this person. So putting all those together on one page, I think makes a lot of sense. And as long as you add context and real opinion to those pages and do it in the appropriate way, it's a much more engaging piece for readers, listeners, followers to kind of check out a piece like that versus just a one-off. So when I describe the NerdWallet model, it's my way of encouraging small creators to think a little bit bigger with how they monetize their sites and put themselves in the shoes of the consumer, protecting the consumer, but also giving them more choice. That's kind of why I like that model. Yeah, and I think that resonates through other businesses and other professions too, in a similar vein as well. You talked about the abundance mindset earlier. I'm in full alignment with that. I think that the abundance mindset will slay the scarcity mindset every day of the week. Why do you think it's so important? Because I do. I mean, I think the abundance mindset is so important to tackling financial literacy. And I'm curious as to your thoughts of how having the abundance mindset is helpful for that cause. I tend to be just, I think, a positive person to begin with. And so it's my natural reflex, I think, is to lean on that, that things will work out. But I do think it's a healthy posture to take with your finances because it's a long path to financial freedom for most people. If you're spending your days with limited beliefs and sort of fear-based emotions around your money, then that path might take longer than it should take. And so I think to speed up that path of financial freedom and independence, you need to surround yourself with people who have a posture of this is going to work out. Here's the plan we're moving forward to. We're taking baby steps every day, but but we're moving toward a more positive place. And we're seeing our money grow, our investments blossom, our businesses thrive, and just sort of having that idea that that things are going to improve. As an entrepreneur, if you're constantly thinking, this is all that it's ever going to be, what I have right now, then you'll make some decisions that I think limit your potential for growth. You won't hire that person you really need to hire. You won't make that investment in the website that you need to make. You'll be handcuffed by this idea that this is all that you're going to have created and I've got to sort of hold on to the rest tightly. Otherwise, I'll lose it all. And as an entrepreneur, you just can't walk around with that posture. And I have to remind myself of that even a lot. It's a constant battle. I'll just say that. Obviously, financial literacy is a very complex problem. I've talked about it before in terms of since I was a kid or in college, I've heard, oh, the schools have to implement financial literacy. I'm at the point now where I talk to folks and I'm like, the school system is not going to solve this issue. It's really up to us. And I think having that abundance mindset and bringing opinion and different strategies and ways is only going to help elevate and educate the general public and make them a better consumer and maybe even more comfortable, to your point, with having some of those financial discussions that they probably should be, right? Yeah. Well, I've only seen it have taking personal responsibility and ownership of my money 
has resulted in a positive thing for my own life. That is my story. And all I can do is continue telling that story and sharing with people that that's a path that worked for me. And if you want to pursue it yourself, here's an example of how I did it. It's not everyone's path. And there may be external forces that benefit for me to achieve the path I achieved, but I still want to share it because I think people can see themselves taking a similar journey. And I think that's a positive thing. I think those stories are what's going to move the needle the most. And that's why I believe in our community at FinCons, because we're telling those stories day in and day out. People from all backgrounds, all shapes and sizes, telling a similar story, moving themselves toward a more freer place. And that's positive for everybody. So I'm blessed to get to highlight those. Well said. So I'm going to take a total 180 here. We were talking about it before we went live because you also are very forthcoming on LinkedIn that you're playing way too much golf. So <laughs> people who know me know I struggle. I, I kind of enjoy the game, but I haven't. And we talked about it. I haven't been able to put in the time, effort and energy to really get better. So for somebody who's struggling And for those other people out there who are listening, I think everybody struggles at golf, but for all those others who are struggling at golf, what's one tip that you can impart upon them that should be helpful? The biggest thing that worked for me was finding a group of people that I could play with on a regular basis who were better than me. That's what I would say. Make it a social group, people who are your sort of stage in life. And if you're blessed to find those folks and then go out on a regular basis and they're able to put up with you sucking for a while, (laughs) you'll start to pick up how to play the game better because there's playing the game and then there's like learning to swing. So if you do have a swing issue, go see a coach. That's a swing issue. But there's also playing the game and that's different than learning to swing the club. So find people who you enjoy playing with that are better than you. That was the biggest driver for me. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. And listen, it's been a pleasure having you on. We ask each of our guests the same final question because this is the Midland Money Mindset. We're all about joy. And that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? This morning, I got up with my wife at six and we went for a 45-minute walk. And so we had a great talk, planned our week, and set the right, I guess, intention for the week from a health and mental standpoint. So I'm starting to feel a fall in the air here in Texas. (laughs) So it was a cooler morning as well, which was really nice. So that definitely brought me joy. So it was like, what, a cool 90 or something like that? (laughs) We were were 70 this morning, so I'll take it. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. So listen, PT, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. We're going to have all of your information in the show notes. But if people want to learn more about you, your journey, about FinCon, what's the easiest and the best place for them to do that? Sure. Just head on over to Twitter. At PT Money is probably my main outlet as well. You mentioned LinkedIn. I'm on there as well. But the website for FinCon is FinConExpo.com. We have one every fall. What we'd love. We're excited about you speaking at this year's event, and we'd love for folks to check that event out. So thanks for having me on. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to being there. Hopefully meet you and shake your hand in person. I will not be going to the golf outing during the event, but (laughs) I didn't want to drag my clubs and all that, but I appreciate it. I look forward to the event and enjoy the day. Thanks. I want to thank Philip Taylor, PT, for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. He has created a space for all the content creators in the financial services space to get together, share ideas, and raise the profession for all. 
We are looking forward to being a part of FinCon 2023 and are grateful for the opportunity to share our knowledge and learn from others. Philip Taylor and all he is up to can be found across most social media platforms. All the contact information needed to find him can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.